Thanks, Bruce and Angie, to you and your family. Uh, listen, greetings on behalf of our Heritage family. We are excited to be here, to be a part, to be with you in your homes or wherever you may be watching at today. As Brian said earlier, we have people that are connecting in from all over the world, and we're glad that you're here with us today as we finish up uh, a series that we've been walking through over the past several weeks, walking through the book of Acts and looking at the church on mission. And today we're going to sort of revolve our, our topic around the church on mission loves or brings love to our city. But before we get into that, we're going to be in Acts chapter 20, but I, I just wanted to share something I thought it's pretty appropriate for us as we have no idea of what, where the end is and all of this and when we'll be able to gather again. And, and I remember a time in my life when we first started Heritage some 12 years ago and, and in the midst of, of, uh, of that time, I went through a season of, uh, I, I guess you could say discouragement and even just a time of un, uh, uncertainty and anxiety, not knowing. And, uh, and I remember as I walked through that time, some things, some lessons that God taught me as I walked through that season in life. And uh, there, were, there were just all the questions that I, I couldn't seem to answer. And, and I would begin to get anxious about certain things and, uh, you know, the what ifs. What if this doesn't happen? Or what if this doesn't over here doesn't happen? Or what might these people think? Or what might I do next? And, and I remember getting down to a place um, one day and and acknowledging and recognizing that every one of those fears, every one of those anxious moments that I was having, I, if I were to take it and, and sort of whittle it down, the, the center of all of those cares that I had in anxious moments were the root was pride. What other people might think, what they, um, the things that I might lose or, or might not have access to any longer. But I recognized that the root of, of my fears, my anxiety was was pride. And I remember that at that moment in time, God gave me two words, and I want to give these two words to you specifically. I've shared them with our church family many times, and I'll share them with you, to get, uh, with you today, because in these moments, we have the ability to become anxious and to ask ourselves some of those questions that we can't ask. You know, how long is this going to last? Well, what happens if I can't pay my mortgage? Or what happens if I can't feed my family? There's just a lot of questions that are out there that can bring about those, those moments of anxiousness. And I share two words with you that God taught me at that time that became very valuable. When I began to sense that, that, that time of anxiousness, God taught me two words. And I want you to write this down someplace. Two words. So what? <laughs> so what what everybody else thought? So what if I, if I lost my house? So what if, you know, whatever you can imagine. So what? So what? And what it did is it began to, to solidify within me, in my faith journey, um, something that I had never experienced before because the thing that I will tell you today is our faith isn't faith until it's tested. And your faith may be tested right now. And I want you to come to a place in your life that you recognize really where your fears are coming from, what the extent, um, where they may be surfacing from to identify that and come to a place of saying, God, whatever it may be, Whatever situation that I may face, so what? Because I know that you're in control. I know that you have a plan and that I can trust you, that you're faithful. And I know that. And I wanted to be able to share that to you, with you today as we began because the longer this goes, the more anxiousness and more fears may, may exist. And the church body should not focus in, on those things of the anxiousness or the, 
or the seasons of what we may sense to be helplessness, but we have a hope. We have a hope in Jesus Christ, and he can be trusted. So I, I say that to you today to sort of open up and to, and to say uh, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 20 in the New Testament. We've been walking through this. We know that Luke had written to us the book of, the book of Acts to talk to us about the acts of the, the early church, the acts of the, the Holy Spirit, the acts of the disciples. And, uh, and uh, what I wanted to do is, is I want to read a passage of Scripture to you today beginning in, in chapter 20, verse 13. Um, and then I'll, I want to explain some things, but Lord, let me sort of bring you up to date or where we are at. Um, back in Acts chapter 13, we saw two men, Paul and Barnabas, being called out, being, being sent by the church at Antioch, being called out and, and prepared by the Holy Spirit to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We see that in chapter 13 in the book of Acts, but prior to that, there's some things that are really important because what's happening is there are things that are happening that had been, had Jesus had said, listen, these things are going to take place. And back early on in the book of Acts, we see where Jesus had, had told his disciples, look, what I want you to do is I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait there. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to give you power and that power is going to enable you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And up until chapter 13, that's exactly what had been taking place. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the persecution of the early church, all of that allowed for the for, uh, for the spread of the gospel outside of Jerusalem. But, but still up until this point, the uttermost parts of the world had not yet been touched. But what they say has happened in Acts chapter 13 was that it became a hinge in the history of, the, of, the, of Christianity. It became a, a hinge in the, in the gospel. Because what happens is that here's Paul and Barnabas, who God has prepared them. He calls them out. He sets them apart. And the church at Antioch sends them out, and they do exactly, exactly, exactly as they had been called to do and commissioned to do. And up until this point today, Paul has completed two missionary journeys. And now here we are in Acts chapter 20, and Paul's headed back to Jerusalem. He's on the tail end of his third missionary journey, and that's where we pick up the story today. In Acts chapter 20, verse 13. And so if you'd read with me just a, just a couple of verses this morning. It said in verse 13, beginning there, Paul went by land to Azaz, where he had arranged for us to meet or join him while we traveled by ship. He joined us there and we sailed together to Mytilene. The next day we sailed past the island of Chios. Following day we crossed to the island of Samos and the day later we arrived at Miletus. In verse 16, it says, Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus, for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He had been there for quite some time, and he says that he was hurrying to get home to Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of Pentecost. But when he landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders at the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and to meet him. And so here in the book of Acts, we see several different speeches um, that Paul had, had spoken at various times. Some were to Gentiles, some were not to Gentiles, they were to Jews. Some were given to believers. Um, some sermons were given to defend the gospel. But inside of the message today is a message, a speech to some people that he loved and he cared for deeply. And here he is, he calls down these elders, these leaders from the church at Ephesus, and he says, guys, listen, I want you to meet me down by the water's edge. 
And so here's Paul on his way back to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. He'd already missed Passover celebration. Um, and, by, and, and by tradition, there were, there were two or three of these, these celebrations or festivals that the Jews were required to go back to Jerusalem to celebrate, and Pentecost was one of those. It was a, it was a, a harvest celebration. It also was a time of remembering that, 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 that uh, God had given the law to Moses. And so it was a, it was a big time, a time of celebration. Pentecost was 50 days after, after Passover. If you remember, Pentecost was the time when the Holy Spirit came that uh, filled the people, and all of a sudden they became witnesses. And the Bible says that Peter spoke, and there were thousands of people that came, 3,000 that came to know the Lord that day, that one day, and were baptized. And that was the day that the church began. And so here is Paul making his way back. He stops over at Miletus. He calls the elders to come down to spend some time with them and talk to them. He makes this quick decision. And if you look, Miletus was probably about 20, 30 miles away. And so they travel and they meet him down by the water's edge. And they meet him there. Now, Ephesus would have been a really important city in the life of Paul because he had spent several years there investing his life, sharing the gospel. He had a very profitous um, ministry while he was there. The gospel spread. Many lives were changed, even so much that the economy had been affected by the gospel. And so here's Paul making the decision to stop, to call the elders down to the water's edge one last time before he traveled on to Jerusalem. And as he gathered with them, he had some words of encouragement that he wanted to be able to share. Don't forget the relationship that Paul had with the people that he's calling down to the water's edge. Don't forget the relationship. Don't forget the love that he had for that city. And that's why I stopped. You know, there have been times I've been on my way someplace and I want to go from point A to point B and I'm the guy that gets in the car and say, let's go. I'm not interested in making a, 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 a stop somewhere along the way. I like to get to point A from point B. That was Paul's mindset. But here we see him, even though he's headed to Pentecost and he knew that his time was short. And it wasn't like he could just pick up the next airplane ride and catch a, catch a ride over. It's going to take him a while to get there. He makes the decision to stop. And I want you to look here with me really quickly on some things, and I'm not going to take a lot of time today, but I want you to look at what he says there in verse 18 as we continue on. I want you to write down Paul's focus because Paul had a focus. There in verse 18 it says, You know that from the day that I set foot, and he's talking to the elders as they're assembled, you know that from the day that I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I've done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. He said, I've endured the trials that came to me, from the plots of the Jews, and I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, whether it was either publicly or in your homes. And I want you to write this down today. Paul's focus was the fact he was committed to the mission. I want you to write that down. Here's Paul carrying out exactly what he had been set apart, what he had been commissioned, and what he had been set out to do by the Holy Spirit and by the church at Antioch. Going back all the way back to chapter 13. And Paul tells us, listen, man, there's been some really tough times. There's been some difficult times that I've endured. I've been pursued. I've been threatened. I've been beaten. I've been placed in prison. But none of that, none of that deterred him from his mission. Paul said, listen, none of that kept me from telling you what you needed 
to hear. You know, there are people in my life that will tell me what I want to hear, but then there are people in my life that love me enough to tell me what I need to hear. And Paul said, listen, none of that stuff that I have faced in life has kept me from being the man that I needed to be, to be on mission, to share that message with you. Let me ask you a question today. I think it's, maybe this is a good question to ask is because I would assume that many of you that are watching today would be professing followers of Jesus Christ. But let me ask you a question. Are you committed to the mission? Do you understand what the mission is that we as believers have to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth? Do you understand the role that you play to be a witness, to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ with there, within, not only within your sphere of influence, but to take that gospel outside the walls of a, the four walls of a, of a church? As a Christ follower, being a witness isn't an option. It's not a good idea, but it's God's idea. And I want you to look that he was on mission, but he was on mission with the message. Verse 21, look at what he says. I have one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin, underline that, turning to God, underline that, and having faith in our Lord Jesus. There was one message, one message that Paul had, and it was the message of the gospel. And that message was not for just some people, not was, it was not just for a few people, but that message was for all people. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there are a lot of things in this world that we can put our hope in, but those things are only temporary at best. And that message was one. Number one, repentance of sin, turning to God through faith in Christ Jesus. When we talk about repentance of sin, the Bible says that all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that that sin that we have in our life that we were born into, that what it does is it separates us from a holy God. Um, and what we should do is be able to recognize that sin. And the Bible says here to repent of that sin, to turn. The Bible says repentance talks in reference to repentance, understand that we're, we're sinners and repent of that sin and turn and do good works to show evidence of that repentance. Having placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, recognizing that Jesus alone is the sacrifice for our sins, the Lamb of God sacrificed once and for all for the sins of the world. And Paul, after telling this, goes on to focus and to tell them some more about future plans. I know we all are thinking about the future right now. And what the future may hold, but the reality is we don't have a clue what tomorrow holds. But you know that old saying, we know who holds the future. Look at what Paul said in reference to his future there in verse 22 through 24. And write, down, write this down, filled with suffering. Filled with suffering. Paul said this in verse 22, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. Man, I have this, this sense here that what Paul was saying was, I don't really want to go to Jerusalem, but I know I need to go. I know that's what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. You know, in, the, in times like this, are you in tune to listening what the Holy Spirit wants you to do instead of what you want to do? And so he says, I am bound by the Spirit to, grow, to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, he said. Verse 23, accepted. The Holy Spirit tells me that in this, in this city after city, that jail and suffering lie ahead. Wow. I don't know. But Paul said, this is what I know. There's some tough times ahead. 
If you know anything about Paul, Paul would end up giving his life as a sacrifice because of his faith in Christ. Paul was the one that would say in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ Jesus lives within me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And listen, for every one of us as believers, it's not about going on as life as usual, but it's about being crucified and not us living our lives, but living the life that Christ would have us to live. Look at what he goes on to say there in verse 24. Not only filled with suffering in reference to his future, but also finished the work in verse 24. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. You know, Paul wasn't a believer because it benefited him. Paul wasn't a believer so that he could attract some people to come and do business with him. Paul wasn't a believer so he could put a sign on the back of his vehicle or his camel and and show off to everybody. Paul didn't, didn't wear a cross around his neck. Paul was a believer, and he was faithful. Regardless if it benefited him or not, Paul said, listen, I want to finish the task. I want to do what God has called me to do, and write this next thing down, Paul's faithfulness. Look at verses 26 and 27. Paul said, I declare today that I have been faithful. He's telling these guys, look, man, these are people. These are, these are guys that he's leaving in charge. He said, look, man, I've been faithful. I declare to you that I have been faithful. And if anyone suffers eternal death, and listen to this, listen to this, listen to the boldness of this, of this comment he makes. Listen, if anyone suffers eternal death, if, if anyone suffers, if anyone doesn't come to know Christ and to declare Christ as Lord, look at what he said, it's not my fault. It's not on my shoulders. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. Man, I think, what an incredible verse. I mean, to be, for me to be able to say, I'd love to be able to say that. Man, listen, I don't want anybody within the area that I live to never say that I didn't tell them, that I didn't tell them the gospel, that I didn't share with them the hope that I have. He said, man, listen, Um, he said, I take responsibility for the people around me. I put the responsibility on my shoulders, and I don't run from that responsibility of being on mission with the message of Christ. And if there's somebody around me that doesn't know, it's not because I haven't done my best. If there's somebody around me that doesn't know the gospel, it's not been because I haven't tried. You know, I went back and and I did some research and in Paul's missionary journeys, I wondered just how far did Paul go? And there's, there's several different resources that you can look at, but the one that seems to be most consistent, Paul traveled by foot and by sea more than 10,000 miles presenting the gospel. That's like four trips back and forth from Los Angeles to New York. That's incredible. Incredible. I mean, even in our day and time, that's incredible. But here's a man that that gave his life, he gave his time, he gave his effort, he gave his resources, he gave his life for the sake of the gospel. And then I want you to look at what Paul says in some final words there in verse 28 through, through 35. Look at what he says to the elders. And you can write this down. Guard Protect yourself in the sheep. He said, verse 28, so guard 
Guard yourselves and God's people. Feed shepherds, feed and shepherds God's, shepherd God's flock. His church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. Paul's saying, look, guys, I'm going to tell you something. I'm getting ready to leave, and this is what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to guard yourself, and I want you to guard, and I want you to watch over the sheep. He says to shepherd the flock. Shepherd the flock. Shepherd the flock. Those who, those who are, are Christ followers, those who have been purchased by the blood of Christ. And he says, you know, why in the world is guarding and protecting the sheep so important? And Paul says, look at what he says in verse 29. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock, even some men from your own group. In other words, what he's saying, listen, some of the people that are, that are walking with you now, some of the people that are around you, they may not have the same intentions that you have. I, don't, I sort of had a dream about this last night. I got so overwhelmed because I thought, I wonder, I wonder how many vicious wolves are among us these days. Not out for, for the sake of the gospel, but out for their own sake, for their own selfish intentions. And he said, even some men there in verse 30, even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Man, listen, attacks come from the outside, we know. But here he's saying, the attacks are going to come from the inside. Paul also said, listen, I want you to look and I want you to remember the example that I set. He said, verse 31, watch out, remember the three years that I was with you. My constant watch and care over you night and day and my many tears for you. The shepherd will always suffer for the sheep. Let me say that. The shepherd will always suffer for the sheep. As a father in a, in, a, in a home, we'll always suffer for the sake of our family. We should. Not because of we were, we're all thinking about ourselves, but what we're doing is we're thinking about our family. We're thinking about our family. The businessman should suffer for his employees. I want you to think of it in this line. The good shepherd suffered for his sheep. Our good shepherd, Jesus, died for us. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. That's what the shepherd does. That's what the pastor does. That's what the staff do. That's what churches do. That's what we should do for one another. That's what one believer does for another believer. You know, if you go back and you look at history and you look at plagues and sicknesses and things of such, this is what you'll find out. It's in times like this that Christianity has the ability to explode. Because Christians just don't care about themselves, but they care about other people. In verse 32, Paul would go on to say, And now I am entrusting you to God. He's getting ready to leave. And the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with, with all those who is set apart for, he has set apart for himself. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold and fine clothes. I want you to listen to what he says. I didn't do what I did so I could make a little extra cash. I didn't, I didn't covet the silver or gold or fine clothes. Matter of fact, he says in verse 34, you know that with these hands of mine, I have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. Paul's saying, listen, I've not only cared for myself, but I've worked to care for the other people around me because they matter. People matter. 
And he said, I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than receive. You know what happens in moments and times like this when we're being stretched? The natural tendency is to want to hold on to. That's it. I mean, I mean if, if we feel like something's being taken from us, the natural response is to want to grab and to be able to hold on to. But what I've learned is the greatest blessings happen when I learn to, in those times to be able to let go of and to be generous. Because not only am I blessed, but it helps me keep things in perspective, especially, especially the things of an eternal value. It helps me realign my life from being focused on what I need to maybe what the needs of others may be. That's an initiative that's applicable for right now. You know, I've, I've seen within our church family toilet paper of all things. Listen, I'm going to do, do a video sometime about, uh, about how to take care of yourself without having toilet paper. So that's going to be a video, Brian. We'll have to do that sometime. I'm sorry if you, yeah, but listen, with all the stuff about toilet paper and some of the places I've been all over the world, you don't have to have toilet, people. I will, uh, toilet paper. I will share that on, a, on, a, on a, uh, another video. But anyway... I've seen our people sharing all kinds of resources. Man, that, that, that blesses me because that's what the church does. That's what the church does. The church cares for one another. They love one another. And then Paul said this in, in closing, in his farewell. He said in verse 36, when he had finished speaking, he knelt and he prayed with them, and they all cried as they embraced and they kissed him goodbye. And they were sad most of all because he said that they would never see him again, and they escorted him down to the ship. Two little quick points. Number one, it was a time of sorrow. Here's Paul. Here's Paul saying goodbye to a group of people that he'd invested three years of his life in. Three years of his life bringing the gospel to them, mentoring them, disciple them, walking alongside of them. Um, being a part of marriages and, and, and births and burials. Here's a man who spent his time eating with them and laughing with them, uh, praying with them, encouraging them, holding them accountable. And Paul not only loved this group of people, but they loved Paul too. And it was going to be tough for Paul to leave them because Paul had been such an important part of their life and their, them and Paul's life. But what happened down that day by the docks is so it was so, um, um, so significant that Luke recorded what took place. He recorded the emotions of what took place that day. Look at what he said. They all cried as they embraced and they kissed him goodbye. Isn't that something? Their relationship with one another, their, his love for that city, his love for that people was so intense that when it came time for, for Paul to go, man, there was tears that were shed. It was hard. Because Paul said, listen, it wasn't like I'll see you later. This was, nah, I'm not going to be back. But I want you to remember these things. But it wasn't just a time of sorrow, but it was also a time of victory. Verse 38 says, they were sad most of all because he said that they would never see him again, and they escorted him down to the ship. And you say, Sid, how in the world can you say that was a time of victory? Because I'm going to tell you what, Paul was leaving because what he'd come to do, he had completed See, everything that Paul had set out to do that he felt the Lord wanted him to do, he did it. And as a result of that, here's Paul saying, man, listen, what God has called me to do, it's done. It's complete. 
And later on in Paul's life, he would write this in his writings in Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. You can turn over with me and look at what Paul had to say there. He said, I have, I have fought the good fight. I want you to think about all the stuff he had wrestled with. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return, and the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Man, that's how I want to finish one day. I want to finish that way, that I've done what God's called me to do. I've finished the task that God's called me to finish, that I've completed the work that he's given me to do. See, the church on mission, the people on mission, the believers on mission bring love to the city, and this is so applicable for us today. Because as a church, even in the midst of this season that we're in, we got work to do. There's a lot of, there's a lot of space that needs to be filled. There's a, there's a job to be done, especially now. And here's Paul leaving because um, he said that he had completed what God had given him to do. And he had poured out his life in Ephesus but not only in Ephesus, but every place that he traveled. See, if you go back and you track the steps of Paul, you'll see where he left the marks of the gospel every place that he went. You know, Heritage family and those of you that are watching, let me ask you a question. What do you leave in your tracks? I mean, what do you leave in the business place? What are you leaving in your homes? I mean, when you meet people at the grocery store, do you, do you leave them, and there's something different about that guy? Are you willing to engage people in the gospel knowing that it's the only thing that offers hope in these seasons? Paul left the mark of the gospel. And you know why he shared the gospel? He shared the gospel because he loved people. He wasn't just committed to the Lord, but Paul was committed to the people. He loved the people. How are you loving the people around you? How how are you serving the people around you? Do you care enough to share? Because the reality is that one day, every one of us are going to leave this earth. The reality is that every one of us one day are going to take our last breath. And I'm going to tell you this. You may not realize this. Right now you're scared about the flu, but the flu isn't our biggest problem, people. Sin's our biggest problem. And every one of us are infected by it. And there's only one solution. There's only one antidote, and it is the blood of Jesus Christ. That old song says, what is it that watches away my sin? It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. What is it that makes me whole again? It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. And there's only two choices. You either have or you haven't. You either are or you aren't. You either trust him. Are you rejecting? There is no middle ground. You know, where is it, if I were to ask you today, where is it, that, where do you sit? Where do you, do you sit? Are you, are you in or are you, are you out? Do you trust him or do you not trust him? I tell this story oftentimes at, um, at funerals and uh, I'm just so reminded of the significance of it. It's a little boy and he's walking through the graveyard and he's reading the tombstones and as he reads the tombstones he comes upon one and upon that tombstone it reads these words Paul stranger as you pass me by as you were now so once was I 
as you are now, so I will be, so prepare for death and follow me. And the little boy sat down and as he's, as he's reading through and sort of trying to comprehend what that little saying on that tombstone reads, he takes out his little knife that he has in his pocket and in that little tombstone he etches these words, to follow you I'm not content until I know which way you went. You're probably laughing about now. So I want you to think about that. You know, if I were to ask you the question, where would you spend eternity? The reality is you know or you, you don't know. See, if you're a follower of Christ, you know whether or not you've accepted Christ, trusted him, and your life has been transformed. But there's a lot of people that go to church whose lives have never been transformed. They've walked an aisle, they've been baptized, but they've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. Their lives have never been transformed. They don't live by faith and trusting. They've went through some religious rituals, but their life has never truly been transformed. So how can you be sure of your eternal, eternal destination? I mean, how can you be sure is a, whether or not I, I, I'm going to heaven or not? Simple as A, B, and C. Number one, admit that you're a sinner, recognizing that all of us are sinners. Like I said earlier, the Bible says that all of us have sinned, and the reason and the significance of that sin is it separates us from a holy God. But recognizing that Jesus died on a cross and that he has shed blood, he shed his blood to, for our sins to be forgiven. You know, the Bible said that God demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It didn't say that Christ died for those who got their lives together. It didn't say that Christ died for only those people who went to church. He said that Christ died, period, for all, for all. He just didn't die for those who would receive him, but he died also knowing that there would be those who would reject him. So admit, believe, and the last, wing, last thought is commit. Commit your life to Christ. The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with the heart that we believe and are justified, and it's with the mouth that we profess faith and that we are saved. And that salvation is available to every person, every person. And if you've never trusted Christ today, what is it that keeps you from making the most important decision of your life? See, right there where you are, where you're seated in your home, in the, in the car, or wherever you may be, you have the ability to do business with God right there. You know whether or not you've made a decision to follow Christ. You know whether or not when that, when that trumpet sounds, whether or not where you're going. You know. You have the ability to make that decision. And man, I want to encourage you that if you make that decision to follow today, I would love to be able to know so we could follow up with you. Man, text that word decision. Text the word decision to our text line, 352-358-7770. And let me know, let us know the decision that you may be making today to follow Christ. Another thought that I want to leave you with is this. Um, for every one of us that are Christ followers, I want to challenge you. I want, I want to challenge you with something today. I want you to sit down and I want you to make a list of three names. Splurge and go to four. But at least three names. Three names of people that you can reach out to, that you can communicate with this, this next week and talk to them and check on them to see how they're doing. You know what I said earlier? It was, it was in times like this in years past 
going all the way back to the Romans when they would face these huge plagues. It was during that time that Christianity exploded because the Christians didn't run, but they cared. And so my, my encouragement to you is how will you reach out and demonstrate God's love in a tangible way this next week? I mean, um, how, how in the world will you touch base with those people that may be isolated? Maybe it's your neighbors. You know, this past week we had, we had several of our people that were touching base and, and just trying to find out, man, what can I do to serve you? What can I do to help you? Is there anything that you need? Be willing to open yourself up and to, and to be willing to care for those within your care. But make a list of those names and ask the Lord for guidance of how you can be an encouragement and be the hands and feet of Jesus. I want to pray for you. And then after I pray, um, we'd like to be able to close with a song this morning. But man, I want to encourage you to stay in the word. I want you to encourage you. It is your source. It is, it is, it, it is, it is your map during this season of uncertainty. I'm also church family. I want to let you know that we're working on a resource. It's important that we encourage you spiritually, but it's also important that we encourage you practically. And I know there's a lot of fears that are going on about finances and and there are some of us that are feeling that we might need to make certain decisions at this time that may not be, that may not be very wise. And uh, so we're putting together a resource right now with a couple of our guys that are very knowledgeable. Uh, these are guys that have not only have their own personal businesses that, they, that they're responsible for. These are men that I've known for many years that also have led for us Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace. And uh, I know that we had turned you guys on to a... To a uh, to a program that they had did the other night, but we're creating our own and we're going to try to get that to you as soon as possible because it's really important that we not only encourage you spiritually, but that we also provide some resources to help you practically during this time for those of you that may be a little anxious. Remember those two words? What are they? There's two words. What were they? I told you up front. So what? When you get to feeling that anxious feeling, remember who's in control. It's not you. It's God. Remember that and use those words, so what if I, so what if, God, I'm still going to trust you because I believe that you're God and that you've got my best interest at mind. Let me pray with you today as we close um, and then we want to close up with this song. Father, I'm very thankful for your word, how it encourages us, how this passage reminds us that God, that just as Paul cared and he loved the city and, and the cities that he, that, he, that he tracked through during his missionary journeys, that you've called the church to be on mission to love our cities and to love our community. Help us to love it, not only just in a, in, a, in a verbal sense, but in a tangible sense. Thank you for the privilege of being able to walk by, walk alongside of our community during this season in many different ways, providing resources through beyond the walls and other avenues that we have. Father, would you continue to bless that food pantry and Colleen and what our team are doing there. They do such an awesome job. Thank you for the resources that you continually provide and how faithful, God, you are. I pray today, Lord, that as we close our service, that we'd be reminded to, to, to care for one another, just as Paul cared for those that he came in contact with, to love as Paul loved, to sacrifice as Paul sacrificed, to shepherd as Paul shepherded. Father, remind us today that you're in charge and you've got your wide arms wrapped around us and that you love us deeply. Help our faith in these moments that are challenging not to become discouraged, but help us to be encouraged and our faith to be enlarged. Help us to be reminded that our peace isn't in the absence of an external conflict, 
but it comes from the power of an internal security that comes from knowing you, our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, um, we do have one more song for you guys this morning. We were just sort of um, compelled to sing this with you, for you, and over you this morning. Um, the, the lyrics come directly from Scripture, and uh, I think that's really important. But I, I just wanted to tell you guys, you know, I was texting with um, a missionary friend of mine this morning, and she was just asking me, you know, pray, because there's some missionaries across the world who are being told, you have to get out. And they've been called to this place that they're trying to serve, and they're being told to go back to America, go back to wherever you're from. Some of them are being told, you cannot leave, and they're scared. Um, so to them, we, we want to read these words. To the single mom who is her or single parent, who's the primary or only source of income for your family, and you're wondering, what's even happening? How am I going to provide? We want to speak these words to you. To the healthcare workers who are on the front lines of a new, a new war we never thought we would be fighting. We want to speak these words to you. To those who are just living in a place of anxiety and hearing those words maybe is empowering to you this morning to say, so what? God is bigger. We want to say these words to you. These words were written for a new generation of Israelites. These words were written for the ones who got to see the promised land. And y'all... We get to see the promised land. No matter what happens in this earth, in this moment, we get to see the eternal promised land. So much better than what the Israelites were walking into in that moment. So I want to read you this, these verses, and then we'll, we're going to sing this with you. It's from Numbers chapter 6, and it says, May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. In this way, they will pronounce my name, that's the name of God, over the Israelites, and I will bless them. That's his promise. He blesses us. to you. 
you.